Welcome to New Gen Network, a podcast online radio show from Ghana, West Africa. Your host is Raphael Okere and co-founder. Gen Writers Club is a show to empowering young African writers to share their writing skills and arts with the world. Join us to listen to our international guest speakers who are ready to inspire and motivate you to your success. Hello everyone, my name is Rafael Lottery and once again you are welcome to the New Gen Network podcast show. I'm speaking with you from Ghana. And today, I have my guest all the way from the US, Terry McMullen. Today, somewhat I feel very excited and a little bit down because I share a very similar experience with um, Mr. Terry, losing someone closer to you. And it's very bad. But before we dive deep into it, I'd like to also pass on this information concerning our one book one child project that i'm doing in my village for my school kids it's still ongoing thanks so so much to everyone contributing so much to it thanks so much to mr jack Brickhouse in arizona thanks so much for even doing thanks to all my brothers who contribute and I believe so much in what i saw and um, from the very beginning when I shared the ideas of what I want to do for the kids in my village. Thanks so much. So we have on today Mr. Terry. Mr. Terry, to be honest with you, has been through a lot. You know, some of us, we always hope for good stuff. But today I want to ask you, what, how, how is the feeling like? How are your reactions when you're always hoping for the better thing, you're always hoping for the right things in life, and somewhat you begin to receive the bad things in life. How are your reactions like? Yeah, it's, a, it's a great question. I think I, I would even term it a little bit differently in that for me, it wasn't just hoping for the best things in life. It was almost expecting them. Um, which, which in some ways is, is a very fortunate outlook to be able to have on life for most of my life to just expect things are going to go well, hope and, and also expect. And for me personally, I'll just say um, it, it was difficult when things did not go that way. You know, you touched on some of it. I, I lost a sister. My, my wife has a pretty serious illness. And as those things started to happen for me around 30 years old in life, um, I think I didn't handle it well. <laughs> I realized very quickly that I wasn't equipped to handle those things because I did expect it was going to go better. Um, so it was tough for me, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, um, resentment at times, regret, things like that. So it was, uh, it was, it was tough. Yes. And that is one thing that I was trying to, me, for instance, it, it took me so much, um, stress and, um, how do I even put it? You know, I was so down when I lost one of my brothers, even before when he was, you know, admitted and a sick bed. It took me a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of nights thinking of how I can actually do something to help myself and help him. And to some extent, when it's when it's at that level, 
you either get to realize that you can do something about it or you can't do anything about it and you just have to let it go either ways you just you just give gratitude to nature give gratitude to god for whatever is done for you mr terry i would like us to talk a little bit about your journey as a person you know like your yourself your kids your home how's your home like you know how's the family now how's your wife yeah considering everything that you guys have been through together yeah i think i think it's in a better place it's in it's in a better place and i mean that in in every sense of that word um because i think for me what, what i've shifted from uh, and and i'll say it kind of at a higher level and then i'll say specifically for my family life as you asked um i went from a place in life of expecting good things to happen but also not thinking nearly enough about my thoughts my feelings my emotions the way i was approaching life what my purpose was a lot of the things that you know in psychology or philosophy are are, are really important things i i didn't think about those and and it's not only that i didn't think about them much similar to what we said about expectations i just assumed i was doing everything the right way mm-hmm. um and what i started to realize was that the right path for me is to question much more and and ultimately question myself much more not not to assume that everything i think is wrong not to assume that the emotions i have or the feelings i had were were bad emotions or bad feelings and i should just get rid of them but just to try and get more clarity on ultimately who i really was what yeah. i was upset about what made me angry those types of things so now in my in my family life these days um i bring that mentality to it so much more and and it allows me to be much more empathetic it allows me to be much more compassionate to be much more humble but also much more logical and just ultimately make better decisions that i think get me to outcomes i want so if if my wife's having a bad day or if my son's acting up whatever it might be rather than just that immediate reaction and and not thinking much about it and maybe feeling down and feeling like oh my life is terrible and it stinks and i i have every right to be angry and upset much to what you were saying Raphael i i started to realize you know there's some choice i have in this if i if i do the work if i think more about it i could figure out maybe a better decision i could figure out a better way to handle what's going on with my wife and my son yeah and yeah. It, it works it's worked for me yeah and just something small about when you ask yourself questions i like that phrase you made you know at some point in life everyone is going to have you know you you you're going to ask yourself questions you you're going to be in doubt you're going to look for answers whatever it takes and even for you you went through such thing and for me as well i went through such thing that's the only reason why we have this podcast today that's the only reason why we have the gen writers club the new gen network today it was because during the pandemic i asked myself a lot of questions that what real impact have i made with some of the bad experiences i've been through have i had any inspiration from them to impact lives and today we are here having this mm-hmm. conversation and so i want to i want us to focus on or if you can tell us some of the things that you've personally come to you know um conclusion with you know mm-hmm. some of the things you realize some of the things that have made you come up with new things things that you've had you have never tried before yeah so i th- 
think for me, one of the one of the big things that I realized about myself was, and, and it sounds cliched, it sounds like something people always talk about, but but that's for a reason, is how insecure I was, which, you know, I probably knew that somewhere really deep down, but it was deep, deep down. Like, I, as I was talking about before on the surface, it was, I seemed to be very confident in how I was approaching life and what I was doing. And and I think I, you know, I was raised by my parents well, and I think I was generally a good person living a good life. Um, but I was, you know, we all have these fears. We all have these things that we don't like about ourselves or that we're afraid of. And those insecurities drove so much of my actions and my thinking. And I was just always too afraid to admit how insecure I was. There's a phrase in the States, I don't know if it, if it carries over there, but it's a, it's a phrase called um, a people pleaser. So somebody who always wants mm. to be liked somebody who always wants to, 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 to do right by other people and make sure that they think well of them. And that's kind of what I was. And I think it was from that insecurity. It was from that place of being afraid that I'm not good enough or people might not like me, or maybe I'm not as smart as I think, or as good as a person as I think. And the way I always say it is I spent so much of my time trying to convince people I was a good person rather than actually just figuring out how to be a good person. Um, <laughs> so I think identifying those insecurities and starting to really what I say, like swim in those insecurities, like spend a lot of the time just thinking about them, understanding where they came from, how they're impacting my life and facing that fear ultimately made a huge, huge difference for me. Um, so I think that that's a big one. The other thing that I realized and I've touched on it a couple of times is I have kind of this personal principle now that I follow, um, which sounds ironic, but I don't believe that certainty exists. I don't believe we ever know anything mm. for sure. Um, and we can talk about that on a very philosophical level and we might, yeah. but even yeah. individually for me, the way that plays out is whatever I think, right? I, I guess the way I would say it is I don't, I don't trust my own mind. It's not that I think my mind is, is always wrong or that it's doing something evil or anything like that. It's just that it could be, and I wouldn't necessarily know it the way our minds work. So whenever I have thoughts now, whenever I have feelings and things, I spend the time, to, if it's an important topic, right? If it's something silly, then I, maybe I don't. But if it's something important, yeah. I always question it. I always consider that I might be wrong or I might be looking at it wrong. I always try and seek out outside information um, because I just don't believe we ever know for sure. But as humans, we kind of have a responsibility to not just rely on that, just, just not rely yes. on what we think we know. Um, we have to be better than that. So that's another big one for me. Sure, sure. Uh, considering your ten years journey of studying psychology and philosophy, I want I want us to focus on one lesson that has really been impactful in your life. What one lesson can you share with our listeners today that you learned during your ten years of, you know, learning so much about philosophy and psychology? think I would say there's a lot but so I, I think a lot about and learned a lot and, and think a lot about the subconscious versus the conscious mind mm. and I think that might be my most important lesson so I, I believe metaphorically as, as humans all of us our minds are constantly running um, kind of like a cost benefit or a pros cons on, on really every single thing we do every action we take, every belief we have, the reason we form those beliefs or take those actions is because our mind is running this analysis to say, is this gonna get me closer to the place I wanna be? Is it gonna make me happier, give me more pleasure? You know, whatever the objective is you're going towards, or is it not? And it, it's running that cost benefit. 
Um, the reason I say the conscious and the subconscious is what, what I've learned is that what I believe is that that calculation can be run a number of different ways. The kind of default mode that our minds usually go to running that calculation is much more driven by our subconscious mind. It's much more driven by things like these deep rooted insecurities that our conscious mind doesn't really want to acknowledge. It's much more deeply rooted in things like external influences, whether it be the TV or the media mm -hmm. or friends or family, all those things. And the problem is our conscious mind, um, our conscious mind is actually much more effective at running that calculation. It's much more effective at looking at the whole picture, assessing things more accurately. It just has more clarity on the situation. But but we often default to our subconscious. And, and there's good reason for that, right? It saves us time and energy. Our subconscious is trying to do right by us. It's trying to give us and make decisions that help us. But it's just, it doesn't have the ability. It doesn't have the sophistication or the understanding to do it really effectively. So accepting that point, acknowledging that, that kind of is why I say I don't trust my own mind because I know so much of what I think and do mm -hmm. is coming from that subconscious mind that has not thought it through enough. Um, so understanding that and realizing it, and then I just add one piece to it for the lesson is, I think that tied to that, when we make mistakes, when we make the wrong choice or bad things happen, come from us, whatever, it's never because we didn't, we did something we didn't want to do. I believe in that calculation we're running. We always do the thing that makes sense to us in that moment. So if we, okay. you know, eat, you know, if we have a choice to eat healthy or not eat healthy, right? We could have a, a bag of potato chips or we could have some vegetables. Mm -hmm. um, we are choosing to eat those potato chips because that's what we wanted in that moment. We wanted the good feeling. We wanted the good taste. We wanted whatever it was. We thought we earned it. Um, the problem is so much of that happens in the subconscious and we just don't even acknowledge it. We don't even, you know, inspect it or understand it. And we just kind of move through life without really knowing what we're doing or why we're doing it. So that gets back to my point where I spend so much time questioning myself and looking at those things because I just think otherwise you're really just guessing at life. And, and I don't want to guess. As I said, I think yeah. we have a responsibility as humans not to do that. So I, you know, I, I'm just thinking so as much as we're doing some of these things, which most of them are definitely not right. You know, most of them, they are definitely not right. You know, you, you just cited an example of eating potato chips and veggies, you know, like choosing between these two. I'm, I'm not going to necessarily try to compare potato chips to veggies. Maybe I can replace potato chips with maybe like fried chicken or something to, yep. to veggies. We definitely know that veggies is the best way to go, but we're still going for that chicken. <laughs> you know, like, Consuming can, I, can I say something there, Because I think it's an interesting point you bring yeah, up. Okay. And I'm curious your take. What I would say is, well, not to pick on words, but I think we don't necessarily know that veggies are the right choice there. We might want okay. to believe that. We might aspire to be a person that thinks veggies are the better choice. And we might actually think they're healthier. But in the mm -hmm. spirit of that calculation, we're wrong. when we're trying to determine what do I want to eat right now? What's going to be best for me? there's factors that come into that that aren't just health, right? There's convenience, mm -hmm. there's cost, there's enjoyment we expect to get out of it, right? There's all different things playing it. Maybe we had a bad day at work. Maybe our, your wife's sick, you know, my wife's sick and that was really stressful and I just need some pleasure in life. 
So it's really understanding that calculation and the components of it. Because I think too often, and I don't think you were doing this, but I think too often what people do is they say that. They say, I know I, I want to eat the veggies. I know the veggies are better for me. I just, I don't know why I keep eating the chips, right? I don't know. To yeah. me, I would say, no, no, no. There, you, you didn't want to eat the veggies. You wanted to eat the chips. And you had a good reason for it in your mind at the time. The goal is to figure out what that reason was, what went into that calculation, and then determine if you're okay with that right? Maybe something needs to change. Maybe you need to adjust it. But I think too often, to put it simply, like we lie to ourselves. The things we aspire yeah. towards is the things we say are actually true and, and they're not. At least that's what I found for myself. Oh, so in other terms, um, you believe that most of us make decisions that are pleasant to us, are pleasant to our flesh automatically without we necessarily calculating whether it's right or not i think so i that's what i believe the subconscious does i believe the subconscious is constantly seeking pleasure right it, it's con and that makes sense it, it that's yeah. good it cares about us it wants us to feel good <laughs> yeah. but it's almost you could think of it like i like to use math as my example so that calculation that's being run to determine what's actually best for us it's almost like our subconscious is like a six-year-old or a seven-year-old trying to run that calculation versus our conscious mind, if we really think about it, is like a, is like a university student or, 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 or a doctorate student or something like that who's so much more sophisticated and skilled in running the math that they're going to get to such a more accurate answer versus if you leave it to a six-year-old to try and solve that problem, they're guessing a bunch, they don't really have enough knowledge, they don't have enough insight, and you're going to get to an Sometimes you'll get to a good answer, but again, you're kind of guessing in that. Oh, I now I just feel like diving deep into your philosophy called adorable. Mm. Yeah, you know I've I've not asked anything so far about it. Uh, is it what we are really talking about right now, or it's something deeper than this one? No, I think this is at the core of it. I think this is kind of the first level aspect of it. It, it then gets more to the question of what do you do with that once you have that knowledge of of this. But yes, I think. This idea of how our minds work um, and not trusting our own minds and kind of understanding this subconscious component and how it functions, right? And okay. that the, the, the inability, yeah. I think the, the other part of a drogo, so I like to think of it as kind of two parts. Okay. Um, the first is, is, is very mathematically logical, exactly for this reason. I think the way you counteract your subconscious to, to get more insight and make better decisions is you have to have this kind of mathematic, logical type thinking, not literally mathematic, but you have to be very logical in your thinking because that allows you to be more objective, right? Our, our minds are really good. Our subconscious is really good at what it does. So yeah. if you think about biases and blind spots and all these other tricks, you know, ego, insecurities, it has all these tools to kind of allow it to, to kind of run roughshod, to, to, to make all the decisions for us. The way you combat that, it's almost like a chess match. <laughs> the way you combat yeah. that is you have to play chess with the subconscious. You have to be very logical. And when you get to a conclusion, when you go to eat those those chips or that fried chicken, you have to be very thoughtful and say, okay, why, why am I eating this fried chicken? And you might say, well, you know, I, I had a tough day at work today. And your, your subconscious will say, yeah, that's good enough. You had a tough day at work. You deserve the chicken. Go eat the chicken. It's, it's all good. <laughs> but the logical thing will say, okay, but why did I have a tough day at work today? And why does that tell me that I'm allowed to have the fried chicken? Is that actually going to help me or hurt? And it's all these questions and this logic of figuring out to get to the answer. But the answer then only brings you halfway. The answer then tells you, okay, I'm, I'm lying to myself. I know I shouldn't be eating this fried chicken. I was trying to take you know the easy way out, whatever it might be. 
But now how do you overcome that? How do you overcome that every day yes. and actually take the actions that you want to take that act in accordance with the better decisions you want to make? And then there's a whole world of, of mental toughness and kind of courage, I think, that comes into play as well that's required to, to act on that information you have now then actually live a better life. And that, in many ways, is, is equally as hard, if not harder. Whoa, that was hard. That was hard, man. <laughs> you know, I, I, for a minute, I was thinking of the Adrogo. Like, I wanted to really know the meaning of Adrogo. Which language is that? Uh, so it's Latin. It means to question in, in Latin. La okay. Latin. Oh, man. To question. Okay. I have some few stuff that we'll actually talk about. But before we... We talk about that. I want us to consider this quote from Will Smith. I want to know what are your thoughts on it, whether you agree or disagree with him. So he says, I know who I am. I know what I believe. And that's all I need to know. I know who I am. I know what I believe. And that's all I need to know. Do you agree or disagree with him? Oh, it's a great question. It's a great quote. I, I, so I love Will Smith. I think he's somebody that that understands life in a deep way um, yeah. that like, I struggle to. So I, I think, so read it to me one more time. Okay, so he says, I know who I am. I know what I believe. And that's all I need to know. So it's like, I need yeah. not to know anything yeah. else. That's all I need to know. I know who I am. I know what I believe, and that's all I need to know. So my, my first reaction is, I think I think it's incomplete. I, I think that that absolute nature, that certainty of that's all I need to know, that scares me. If if I put it simply, <laughs> that, that scares me because I again back to okay. the point. Okay. I just don't trust the human mind enough to actually the gauge that we have to say, I, I know everything I need to know about this topic, or I have, I've thought about this enough. I don't trust that gauge. I think there's always an opportunity that there's more, there's other points that we don't realize that might change something. So I never want to close myself off and say, I have everything I need here. Now I will say though, just knowing, knowing the bit I do about Will Smith and what I've read and, and listened to him speak. I think those two first phrases are important phrases though. Um, I know who I am. I know what I believe. I don't, I don't think he says those phrases lightly. I think, let me use myself as an example. Had, had you spoken to me 10 years ago, I would have said, I know who I am and I know what I believe, but it would have been very superficial. I wouldn't have done the work yes. to actually earn the right to say those statements. I think when Will Smith says that, he means that very deeply. He's gone through the work and the struggle and the pain to figure out who he actually is. So he's he's taken in that other input. He's He's, he's listened to other people. He's questioned himself. Same thing for what he believes. He knows what he believes. It doesn't mean that it's right, but he know, he's done the work to figure out what he believes in. Yes. So I would say, you know, mathematically, I think that statement is probably 95% of the way there in the way that he's saying. I just wouldn't close it off to say that's all I need to know. I think you always want to be taking in more input whenever you can because it's only a good thing. If you, if you process it the right way and if you have the right perspective, more information is, is always a good thing in my mind. Great. Uh, what I'm thinking about is if we had to rephrase this statement, would you have better, better words to rephrase it? That, that's, I'm only asking your permission if you want to yeah. do it. No, yeah, if no, you want no, to no, rephrase it. it. 
Yeah, I love so, it. I love it. <laughs> How would you want to rephrase it? I would say, I know who I, I know who I am. Let's assume he means that he's done the work, right? I know who yes. I am. I know what I believe. And right now, that's the best I can do. Like at this moment, I know okay. who I am. I know what I believe in this moment. And that's the best I can do at this nice. moment. Because I nice. think there's an implication there of that that says, I don't have all the answers. It's just the best I can do right now. Yes. And it also implies a moment in time. Tomorrow, I might meet somebody like you who makes me think about something and realize something that says, ha, actually, I know something more about myself now. Or I know something better about why I believe what I believe. So I think that's how I would I would rephrase it. Bless. I think both both carry the same, you know, message at the at the far end. Because I think what he also meant, I'm just trying to think for him right now in his yeah, context. Yeah. You know, what he meant by that's all I need to know. That means that he doesn't have the answers to whatever is ahead of him. So hmm. for now, that's all he has, you know, that's all he, he knows. I'm just trying like to think that. for him, you know, like comparing it to how you rephrased it, both makes sense. Yeah. Well, you know, it gets to the point, which I think is a lot of what you're doing with, with your work and in general is the words, sometimes they matter a lot. And, and I say that because yes. I, I could see somebody taking his quote and going too far, like taking it and hearing it for what it was, but going too far and saying mm. almost like I don't need to improve anymore. I don't yes. need to be better. I don't need to apologize <laughs> yes, if yes. I make a mistake. Like that's what I get scared of. I get yes, scared of people yes. taking that. I get scared of people subconscious taking that and saying, "Oh, if I believe that, then I could just be whatever I am." Right? It's just exactly. accept me. So that's what I. That's what I get scared of. If people misinterpret that. Oh man! Oh man! Thanks so much for throwing so much light on that. I think that was exactly what we we're trying to drive at. And yes, you brought out that perfectly. So. To all our listeners, if you're listening to us right now, that is what we're trying to drive at. You know, what he said, he said it in a, in a way, way different context. Don't take that context to be like, you know, where you've gotten to, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't take it far. Yeah. So thanks so much, Mr. Terry. Um, I want us to touch a bit about, you know, back on the the philosophy of Adrogo, how we think and what makes us take certain decisions at, at what particular time. I want us to drive more on the on the solution aspects on mm. how this thinking process, we can actually make it um, a very fruitful and rightful one. Even mm. as much as we make bad decisions every day, you know, how we can also improve upon these decisions to make our highs, you know, go high than the the lower go low you know i'm just trying to balance everything you don't you don't make too much bad decisions every day and you don't make too much you know right just try to balance these two you know like yeah. your your decisions your good decisions should go a little bit higher than your bad decisions going too much higher at least those mm. ones should come a little bit lower and so mm. this is basically about asking ourselves how you know this comes with the how how we can make that happen how we can let that happen you know if yeah if our, our thinking process and this is very natural you know you see veggies you see chicken fried chicken 
at that particular moment, like you said, the only thing that comes to mind is, oh man, I need to satisfy my taste and I'm going for the chicken. You know, not even considering how how the how healthy it is or how unhealthy it is. You know, you just want to satisfy yourself. It's all about your flesh at that particular moment. And so the mm. question is, how do we make these decisions right? How do we go to the extent of letting these things have a, a lastful impact on us and not always the wrong impact on us? Yeah, it's the big question. It's the big question. So I'll give you my best stab at it. Um, I think there's a few parts to it that I've found that exactly, I love the way you said it because it never guarantees anything, right? We, we don't have that much control. We're not, we're not God. So we're mm -hmm. trying to just make better decisions and increase the odds and the number of times that we get the better outcomes. We know they're still going to be bad, but we're trying to just do that. So yeah. for me, I think the first thing is being very clear on what your objective is. And that could be on an individual level, like with the fried chicken we're talking about, like okay. what is your true objective, right? Truly deep down in, in Will Smith's way of saying, like, I know myself, what do I actually care about? Do I actually care about being healthier? Do I actually care about getting in shape or, or, or running a marathon or whatever it might be? Figuring out what that objective actually is, I think has to be the first step because otherwise the calculation you're running, the, the actions you're taking, you, you don't know what they're really guided towards. So you have to do that work first to figure out the objective. But more practically for me, what I've found is there's kind of two components to it when it comes time to actually take the action. So now that chicken's in front of you and you say, all right, I did the work. I know my objective. My objective is to be healthier. I don't want to eat this chicken. So now you got to figure out how you do that, right? So I think the first thing is there's a, there's a big uh, element of like experimentation with it. And, and, and with experimentation comes this idea that you're going to fail, right? Because you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to get better at something. And that might be, you know, mental toughness to, to actually make the decision, the vegetables instead of the chicken or whatever it might be. But you need to figure out that those better decisions actually make you feel better. So you need to actually experience it. You need to test it. So I'll give you an example for me that that's a good one, I think. Um, so so my wife is ill, as I've mentioned, right? And she, she's handicapped and she has a very tough time kind of getting around. And when I'm at my worst, there's times when 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 I'm, I need to take her somewhere, we need to do something and I'll get frustrated almost because it's, it's difficult. It's a lot of work, yeah. with, you know, we have to bring different equipment and different things. And I can easily kind of get frustrated by that and probably start to get almost a little insecure that like people are looking at us. Um, and my natural reaction is to just to get to get angry or frustrated and, and try and just move her along as quickly as I can. Right. Yes, and that, yes. that just feels natural for me. That feels like yes, the right. Path to take. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So once I realize my objective is, Hey, I, I want to be a better person. I want to be a better mm -hmm. husband. Mm -hmm. Okay. That helps. But now I'm back in this moment where things aren't going right. And where, you know, I'm in that same moment again, and you almost need to take a leap of faith and say, okay, yeah. <laughs> I know I've tried the other way. Let me try this way where I just, I stay calm. And I just, even if we're late to wherever we're going, I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to lose my temper. I'm gonna have compassion for her in this moment. And there's almost a degree of faking it, right? Because it's not, you haven't proved to yourself yet that it's real. And you're probably gonna fail as I did, right? The first couple of times yeah. I would try to do that, I would still get frustrated, I would still get angry. And that's a big piece because you have to accept that idea that you're probably gonna fail at first. Because naturally back to our subconscious again, I think it already doesn't like the fact that we're not just taking the obvious approach, which is just get angry, get frustrated. That's what feels most natural. 
But then you try something else and you fail. So how quickly your mind will want to be like, see, see, I told you that was a bad idea. <laughs> like you shouldn't have done that. You should have just went the natural approach. So you have to be ready for that and you have to accept it and say, okay, I know I'm probably going to fail at first and kind of keep going. But if you do that, you'll find the method that works for you. Maybe it's taking a breath. Maybe it's saying a prayer. Yes. Maybe it's whatever it is. And once that starts to prove out, you'll feel that benefit. And it becomes so much clearer to you that this is a better way to go, right? It's a, it's a better option for me to take. The last thing I'll say on it is as you're going through that process, right? You're experimenting and you're failing and all that. The other thing I found, which is, again, is not novel to me. Other people know it, but you have to, on the side, be building your tolerance for discomfort. Because in that moment, that's what your subconscious is trying to get away from. It does not like the discomfort, whatever it is, insecurity, embarrassment, frustration, whatever it is, it doesn't like that. So you have to build a tolerance for that so that in those moments you can stay level-headed and make the good decision. If you have no tolerance for it, as soon as it comes, you're gonna, you're gonna lose it. So things like exercising, things like fasting, um, all different things that I've done, trying to do things like, um, I, I, there was a time when I didn't love reading and I, and I said, you know what, I'm gonna read every day for, for a year because I wanna just build the habits and, and get over that discomfort. I went skydiving recently because I'm terrified of heights. <laughs> and I said, I need to do that because I wanna, yes. I wanna have that reference point to say I can do it when my mind tells me I can't do it and I have to just go to the natural path to know that I can do it a different way. Yeah. And when you have that tolerance built up, it makes it, it makes it much easier. Not, not easy, but easier. <laughs> yeah, build so much confidence. Build so much confidence. Blessed for the, those thoughts. Those were exactly the, the, the kind of insights I was looking for. And I believe your story did a perfect work. You know? mm. It really laid it out very, very well. And thanks so much for that. Now, I want us, I want us to talk a little bit about um, your journey again, you know, throughout your 10 years journey of trying to discover certain truths, um, certain ideologies, knowledge, how people think and what people believe. What are those things you've discovered um, about spirituality and religion? How, how are these two um, how do these two relate to each other in our world? And what are those beliefs that you've, you've come across between these two things? Yeah, so there's a lot, there's a lot to say here. So I'll, I'll start with, I, I come to it from a place like I come to everything, which is, I, I don't, I just don't believe in certainty. So I come from it from a place of, I personally don't believe I can know or, or likely will never know for sure if God is real. If, if there's multiple mm. gods or one God, um, okay. you know, which religion, which religion has it right? Now I say that not saying it's definitely wrong, that there's definitely not a God. I just, I can't know for sure, right? And maybe that's the point that, that we can never know for sure. So I, I don't have any deep fundamental belief that says, even though I can't fully prove it or understand it, I know, you know, God is real. I, 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 don't, I don't come from that place of it, but I do totally, entertain him and open to the idea that that god may be real in some form and just to touch on it for a second and then and then i'll get back to the point about um kind of how it applies sure. you know if i if i think about it very scientifically um in, in somewhat simple terms but if you listen to physicists or astrophysicists speak about it 
um, you know, most people believe the Big Bang, the Big Bang event is what started mm -hmm. our universe, right? And that's where most of the debate is, which, which, which scientists, many scientists would say, there was a scientific explanation. They can explain what happened with the atoms and how it created the Big Bang and how it turned into everything we know today. <laughs> yeah. And many people with, with faith and religion would say that's actually where God or, or many gods, whatever it is, did, did their part. What I think just very logically is the problem with the scientific explanation is it can't explain, as far as I know, the step before. Why, why did those atoms even get put in that position to create the Big Bang? And I think most yeah. of the best scientists in the world would admit they don't know yet. <laughs> They're not sure. So for me, it is it is almost likely that there is some greater being or power that ha things don't come out of nothing, right? In, yeah. in the world that we know. So yeah. there has to be some explanation that's greater than us that explains that. So that leads me to believe likely there is some higher power. I just I just don't know for sure. Um, but what I, what I will say lastly on this is that what I've found in, in the work that I've done in talking to all different people from all different backgrounds and, and different religions and spiritual believings, um, I think having a belief can be very, very functional. Um, and I don't say that to be dismissive or, or offensive in any way to say that it's not real, but I think many of the religions of the world at their core and, and spirituality in general, the lessons that it tries to instill are extremely valuable lessons. And, and, and a lot of them overlap with this. The idea of believing that there is a God or a higher being there that's watching, it almost creates that questioning that we talked about. It creates this more introspection and thinking about our lives more. And that can only be a good thing. So I think for people that maybe don't think about this as much as you and I do and don't question yeah. themselves as much, that belief in, belief in faith is very functional. It, it helps to offset that subconscious mind that we talked about before. Yeah. So my personal belief is I'm not sure if God's real. I could see a very likely scenario where there is a God, but it almost in day to day doesn't matter as much because I think people's belief that there is an existence in many ways can be very valuable and functional. Sometimes it goes bad, right? Obviously you've seen instances yeah. of that throughout history, but um, I think there's a lot of value in it still. Great, great. And our very last one has to do with slavery. Hmm. You know, there is... There's so much ideologies out there and school of thoughts about how slavery has played a role in um, a lot of racist behavioral traits and to the extent of how they even raise it. Mm. Do you have similar experiences, ideas or ideologies related to this same thing on how slavery has created traits in humans of today in terms of our behavioral activities? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it should go without saying, but unfortunately it doesn't always, that that slavery is a horrible, horrible thing, right? That, yeah. that should never happen. But that's, although that's true, I think it's less useful to focus on that piece of it. I think your question is much more important of what's the implication of it? Why did it happen? How has it impacted us? And I think I might, again, I, I, this isn't coming from a place of certainty, as you know, I don't, I don't know anything for certain, but my best sense of it is that I, I might flip what you asked a little bit. I think what you were asking was, how has slavery impacted the world? And I think there's a lot to be said about that. I think there's a mm -hmm. lot, particularly in my country of America, of issues that we deal with very much to this very moment because of slavery and, and what it inbred in us and how it, it formed people's thinking and ideologies, as you said. But I tend to be somebody who's very 
like the root first principles level. So to me, I want to understand, well, why did slavery even happen though? Like why, why did, how did we even let that happen? Because we're going to fix it. If we're going to address the issues that it's created, we have to understand what is it that created it in the first place? Why is it there? And maybe no surprise, but, but I come back to that, that kind of subconscious conscious point before. And I think it's almost a collective um, nature of that. Like, I think human nature, for better or for worse, and often it's for worse, that subconscious, <laughs> right? That subconscious that's trying to do right by us. It's seeking pleasure for us. It, 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 the, the same is true in reverse that it's trying to avoid discomfort and and when 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 a power dynamic comes into play i think that becomes a big part of it for the human mind for human nature our subconscious thinks i want to make sure we're okay so if there's an opportunity for me to be in a position of power then that's better because there's better chance of pleasure there's less chance of discomfort if i'm in that position of power so i think collectively the subconscious nature of of frankly the western world for, for at least that portion of history um took that route they they did at a collective level exactly what you and i are talking about in this call or i should say they didn't do there wasn't enough deep thinking and questioning and challenging it felt good it was they were able to do it it was justified in their minds right because it was legal or whatever they thought it was so they did it and that's the same it's, it's it's i'm not trying to say these are the same things by any means but in some ways it's the same math on the fried chicken or the vegetables as you started this with, we know the vegetables are better for us. People at a conceptual level knew we shouldn't probably treat people like this, but it helps me. It feels good in this moment, so I do it. And I say that, the reason I say that first level piece of it is, I think as we think about fixing it, we have to acknowledge that. We have to acknowledge that there's a component of human nature that pulls us towards that, that pulls us towards being willing to hurt other people, but not admitting it to ourselves in our minds. Right. You've, I'm sure you've heard stories and people that have talked about slavery from a long time ago where they almost made it like they were doing the slaves a favor. And you wonder, like, how the how in the world could they think that? Mm. And, and I mm. think it's for this reason. They're not questioning themselves enough. They're not accepting the idea that human nature is flawed. <laughs> the human <laughs> mind is flawed. Never accept anything that it's OK. Always entertain the possibility that it maybe should be different and could be different. And it's not always going to get us there. But if people did that at the collective level, I think something like slavery could have been eliminated much sooner. But I don't know if we can. I don't know if we can. Yes. You know, sometimes I try to understand this, you know, because you hear people coming up with a lot of ideas on, on this whole issue. If you don't, you don't really know whether it's pure wickedness or mm. it's, it's the same pleasure of self satisfactory for power because like you said when you're doing this thing you know you know somewhat in you feel like is this really right but you're still doing it and at this extent you don't even know whether it's wickedness or is just going the extra mile to do anything for power and that sometimes is it's confusing you know especially looking at from this angle of um, conversation. I don't know, I don't know, but sometimes- I think that might be wickedness. I think wickedness <laughs> might be, I mean, I think there's mental illness in the world. I, I, obviously that exists where people are truly mentally ill and, and, and perhaps wicked in that way. But I think much more of the time, the wickedness that we think of, the evil that we think of, and this isn't to excuse it or dismiss it by any means. I just think it's important to identify it for what it is so that we can do something about it. 
I think wickedness often is people doing something that benefits themselves and not owning up, not being honest with themselves to actually, you know, accept or, or acknowledge the idea that they're doing that. They just put it away. They don't think about it enough. They justify it. They stay around like-minded people enough who tell them it's not a problem. To me, that's really what wickedness is, I think, more times than not. And I think when people think it's just that person is evil, they are truly just wicked and evil, there's no helping them. I think I get it. I totally get it, particularly in the context of slavery. And it's justified, but I'm not sure it's functional. I think it doesn't solve the problem. And there is a big problem that needs to be solved. So I think that slight nuance to it or that slight switch to it of saying wickedness is people thinking they're doing something right. Well, I shouldn't say it people believing they're doing something right without actually thinking and questioning and testing it. Yes, exactly. You know, <laughs> this, this is a very broad topic. You know, sometimes, maybe we're going to deep dive into it, you know, do it more extensively, make this whole thing a, a, a topic on its own in one of our conversations. But for now, I think we've really concluded on the kind of lessons we've learned in the past, the kind of people we are, you know, individually across the world, and how we can improve ourselves, especially with the kind of decisions we make and the kind of beliefs we adapt. Once again, thank you so, so much for joining the New Gen Network. Um, do you have any final words? Do you have any projects you're working on? Yes, I, I'm supposed to ask you this. How, how can I do for that? No, <laughs> I'll say two final things. One more, much more important than the other. And I'll start with the much more important one. Okay. This conversation, I can't thank you enough for inviting me on and having this conversation. Firstly, I just, I enjoy it so much. To me, it's, yes. it's just intellectually stimulating and it's, and it's fun and it's to think about it. But the ability to, to learn, to unlock new insights. And, and to me, when people have honest conversations where they say, hey, I'm just going to be honest with you, you be honest with me, and it's and we'll see where it takes us. And we're looking to get to a better outcome. It's so rare. And the fact that you're doing it through this podcast and the work you're doing, it's going to help make the world a better place. I know that. How much? I don't know. I hope a lot. <laughs> I hope all <laughs> things do, but I know it's, it's, it's going to help make the world a better place in some way because you're, you're showing people how to do that. So thank you so much for that. And in the yes. spirit of that, very quickly, I'll just touch on it. So I have, a, I have a podcast as well. It's called What's the Value? Um, and it's, it's conversations much like this, where I just try to understand how people think, why they value what they value in yes. a very honest, raw, authentic way. So yeah, that's my, that's my project. Bless, bless. That's so great. I'll check it out, though. Maybe you should send it to me one of these days. And I think I think I'd love to have you on it as well. <laughs> you know, not just on the spot here, but I think it would be fantastic. So great, yeah. I'm on. I'm on. We can always find a way to collaborate. You know, keep on preaching positivity and growing together. My my final words are, uh, Adrogo, do you have plans of? I think I lost you for a second there, Raphael, but but uh, thank you again. <laughs> I, I think we're yes. coming towards the end. I missed that last bit, but I'm, I'm thank here. Thank you again for being on. I'm here. Yes. I was asking my final words on Adrogo. Sure. Do you have plans of putting it into a book, like making it a whole book for sale? 
I, I do, I do. But you know what? Before I did that, I wanted to do this podcast first because in the spirit of what we talked about in this conversation, mm. I wanted to talk to more people first. My, my thoughts when I developed the Drogo, it wasn't totally just me internally. Obviously, I read a lot and I talked to some people, but I wanted to test it more. I wanted to have these conversations I'm doing on my podcast to see where I might be off, where I might be missing something before I you know, felt so good about it where I'd say I'm going to put it in a book. So it, it is a plan, maybe in another year or so, but I, I want to focus on the conversations and learning more first before before I do that. Yes. And this, this just came to me as a suggestion. I want to propose it to you. I don't know how you think it, but I'm thinking, have you visited other countries, you know, like other places where you, you are trying to really focus on, you know, in terms of ideologies, beliefs, knowledge, and everything, sometimes it can be demographic. And so, yes. yes. And so I'm thinking, have you considered that? And do you have plans of like traveling to different countries to actually re- experience it and realize it on the ground? You know, how people are actually considering their, their thinking process and the kind of decisions they make. Absolutely. Absolutely. COVID has made it tough as well as my wife's situation, if I'm being honest, but, but yeah. the short answer is yes, yes. absolutely. It's exactly what I want to do. It's one of the things yeah. I try and instill in my son is a value of traveling and learning from people where they live. So yeah. absolutely. Um, and on the podcast itself, since I can't travel there now, I try yes. and connect with people from all different places, you know, the yes. Middle East, from Africa, from Europe, from Latin America. Yeah. So definitely to- totally agree with you. Okay. Okay. Wait, how old is your son? He's eight years old. Hey, yes. Oh, big ups to you, man. What's his name? Uh, Kavian. K-A-V-I-A-N. Oh, Kavian. Big ups to you, Kavian. You'd be a great man. Your dad is a great uh, man already. I appreciate <laughs> that, my friend. I appreciate that. You, you, you as well. Bless. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much to all of my listeners, our listeners, tuning in today. It's such an amazing episode, like always. Thank you so much. We hope to have you on on another episode. Until we meet again, cheers. Thank you.